Welcome back to episode number 30 of the Sex Den podcast, everyone. Number 30. Yay! You are here with your hosts, Camille, aka Camille Joanne XO, and Lauren, aka She Wolf Lauren. That's right. And what's so special about this being episode 30 is that as of Friday, October 14th, we are now in the presence of a 30-year-old. I mean, I've hit a new decade. You've hit, technically this is, you're going into your fourth decade. That's right. Because <laughs> your first is zero to 10. That's you've right. you've got 10 to 20. Yeah. Then you've got 20 to 30. 20 to 30. So that's. And then you've got 30 to 40. You're in your fourth decade. Whoa. Wow. So this just ended up being serendipitous. We did not plan a year and a half ago that we started this podcast to have episode 30 on Lauren's 30th birthday. And now here we are after such a fun weekend, partying with friends. We just have so much to talk about this week. We have so much to talk about. And I did want to say that when we started our podcast, we started it on... 7-7-21. I remember that. Yeah. And then we had 7-14-21, 7-21-21. We yeah. released it on those cool dates and it just ended up being that even with all of those, you know, pauses and breaks that we did and everything, that it would randomly be 30 on my 30th, which I just think is so cool. I feel like that's really cool and also so strange. Yeah, it is strange. After a year and a couple of months for it to be 30 on 30. I love it. But here we are. Here we are. So welcome back to the Sexton. We can't wait to have you for another week. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the Sexton. Sexton. Ow, ow, ow! Yeah, have you for another week. And to talk about, so this week we're talking about, I had the idea I tasked myself basically with doing 20 things that I learned in my 20s. Uh, And then I was writing them down and realized that it really comes down to a couple central themes. Yes. I I felt like it was going to be so many things and it came down to a couple central themes. So I'm really excited to share those with you today. And I also just wanted to say that we... uh, I meant to share more, I guess, on social media about this weekend, kind of. Uh, I meant to just put some stuff up like, this is what I'm doing. These are my friends that are in town, et cetera. And I have been sick. Like Camille, we got hit with a devil plague. We don't know what it is. It's not COVID. Mm -hmm. We were tested for it. It's not COVID. We're not sure if it, like we gave it to each other or... And also almost everyone where we are seems to be feeling the same way. Yeah, seems to be like having some sickness go around but it hit me so hard I told my friends when they were here I'm like look I'm kind of sick so I guess I'm gonna still be doing stuff I'm gonna try my best but if you get it it was like a weird thing where I wasn't sure what to do yeah so um anyway the point of what I'm saying is I basically didn't look at my phone at all I have not been on my phone on social media So this means that I am going to be posting some of the behind the scenes footage of our birdcage themed 30th birthday party and some of our like dancing from the night before on our Patreon page. So if you're curious just about that, then make sure you are subscribed to our Patreon. It's $11 and 11 cents a month basically as much as one coffee in LA Mm -hmm. and you get to support us 
and also just join our very important wolf pack. Yeah, you get exclusive content, earliest release possible, which is usually a day or two before we release the episode to the public. You get the new episode. We also already have five 20 to 30 minute Q&As on there. Right. Answering questions we've never answered on the podcast. So we have those videos up. They got first access to see my tattoos before TikTok, before Instagram, before everything. So we treat our VIP members very specially. And we have our first winner, you know, as of a couple weeks ago, I know we announced it, but we have our meeting with her soon. So join in the next two weeks and you will get entered into the raffle for November, right? Which we pick our winner on the first of every month. So November 1st, we will pick another person to have a two-on-one session with the two of us. So again, go to patreon.com slash the sex den to join our wolf pack. Yeah, we love it. Yay. So let's start with a weekly update and then we'll roll into what you learned in your 20s, which I've been able to be a whole part of it, which is so exciting. It is so exciting. Yeah. But we basically get like a two-week update because we didn't record, we didn't have an episode last week. Mm. Right? So Yes, we did not have an episode last week. Lauren and Shane were traveling. So we'll talk about that. Wow, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I will talk about my two weeks. So you go first. Okay. Then I'll talk. Then you're going to do your 20 stuff. Yeah. I had a really wonderful last two weeks. Um, Shane and I went to San Francisco for a really special invite only, not to sound exclusive, but just to show you that it was special. Yeah. Um exclusive meditation retreat initiation kind of a thing. And it was really special. I had so much fun. We got to explore Alameda, California, which I didn't realize is like a little Asia food, Asian food haven. And we had the best ramen, (laughs) like the best food. Oh, I bet. The best Asian food. Yeah. San Francisco is so much Asian so delicious much food. food. Yeah, it was delicious. And so I had the best food of my life and also was able to meet with people that Shane has been studying Dzogchen with for 10 years. So it was it's really, really wonderful to, he, you know, he's met a lot of my friends and has been part of my circle and stuff. And I hadn't had a chance to meet all of these amazing people. So so many people came in from all over the U.S. and we just had such a nice time. We went to a huge dinner and I was just really able to see Shane and his element and to receive these special teachings. So it was everything. And then we decided to leave Alameda two days earlier than we thought, canceled our Airbnb and went and stayed right downtown in San Francisco. Yeah. And poor Shane had food poisoning. Um, For the third time he, in like two months. Yeah. He's been really getting it like something and it was once in the U.S. too so it's not just a Mexico thing like I just feel like for whatever reason he's just supposed to be going through this weird cycle purging purging hell um but basically so we get to San Francisco we get to stay in this really cool super old hotel it was from the 1920s and then I got to hang out with my best friend Ellen who I've mentioned on the podcast many Mm -hmm. times 
from high school. So we just yes. walked and walked and walked and walked and walked and went all over and had lunch together, went and saw these fighter jets that were doing an air show there with her boyfriend. And it was just a good time. We had a really good time. I got to do some shopping, like American shopping, you know? Yes. There are a few things in Mexico you just simply cannot You find. simply cannot <laughs> find it. Yeah. And so then we came back and were sick as shit for like six days. I basically couldn't get it together. Like exhausted, throat so sore, couldn't even move. So stuffed up. And then everybody came in for my birthday. So it was kind of like, it's been a whirlwind. And we knew that October was going to be like that. I knew it was going to be yeah. San Francisco, my birthday weekend. My, our dad comes next weekend. And then the weekend after that, I might be going to a retreat to like be part of it. So it's just been nuts. Yeah. And then my best friend is coming. And your best friend is coming. Yeah. at the at, Right after our dad. And, and then we left. also have another friend who's coming to Tulum. So Tulum is one of those places, obviously, where so many people visit. So yeah. if you live here, you get – it feels like you're far away from the States, but you still get all these people coming to visit, and you're so excited yeah. to see them. And it's heavenly. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to come visit. So it's really fun, and there's so much to show. Right. That Lauren's friends came in for three days – which is crazy. I was so sick at the end of October or yeah. at the end of September into the beginning of October. Then they got it. Then the friends got here. So I was entertaining the friends who were here to see Lauren. But then the weekend, Lauren pulled it together in two days. We fit in as much as possible for Tulum. Yeah. We did like a beach party and then we went to this perf this incredible place called Ilios where you do like smashing of the Greek plates and dancing and there's so a performance fun. and then we did a cenote the next day and we went on this beautiful cave tour and then we had Lauren's themed party yeah night. it and was so much it was so much we're fitting in food wanting to go to the coolest food places like and we really did it all and then yesterday I was like <sighs> yeah like <laughs> seriously slept all day. But I want to give Camille so much credit. She literally just knocked it out of the ballpark. I never, I shouldn't say I never ask for anything, but I'm not a big, but I'm not a big, uh, like celebrate me. It's my birthday person no. at all. No. Like None it was family. That's not really our thing. It's not really our thing. And it wasn't even that I felt like it was my thing this year. It's just that because the last couple years of my twenties, were so intense mm -hmm. and I actually feel really proud of the woman who I've become mm -hmm. and really excited to go into my 30s like I, I felt like it was a big deal and I really wanted the people that have known me for so long to be there with me and so it was really an opportunity for me it was all their first time like it was Brienne, Ellen, Nasser, Connor, and Ashley's first time in Tulum and so it felt like so much so fun to be fun. able to take them and do the most. And so I just said, I'm like, if you get sick, I'm sorry. I don't know what else to do. I can stay home or and also try my best be so and like take 10 Advil and just yeah. come with you. <laughs> but they, you just barely ask for anything. And then, oh yeah, that's what, that's, what that's what I was saying. And then, <laughs> well, that's what I was saying is that Camille did the most for me like coordinated everybody, housed our girl Ashley, coordinated rides and all these decorations for my party, my cake, pizza. Like it was 
spectacular. It was so much fun. And you really did the most. She got everybody welcome gifts. Like, forget it. I just can't believe you. you. I can't believe you. It was so fun. You know what? I'm going to post on our Patreon because I'm really proud of them. Yeah. we. I had a birthday invite and then I had an itinerary for the guests. So I'll post both of those things. And, you know, I'll scratch out, obviously, our addresses where we yeah. live. But the itinerary, the two-day itinerary for Tulum is actually an incredible itinerary that I recommend everybody do Tulum totally. that way. Totally. Like our series of events and where we ate and stuff was a really good way to do Tulum if you're here for like three days. Totally. So I'll give I'll give the VIP Wolfpack members yeah. a rundown of what we did. Yeah. Seriously, even just it was that. So fun. Like creating everything, the group test, it was very special. And you did the most, you didn't leave out a single detail. Like every opportunity you had to celebrate me, you did. It was like creating posters and signs and like a custom card <laughs> that she had to print out a thing and recycle a menu. Like it was really special. So I want to publicly thank you from the bottom of my heart for just making it the best. You're welcome. It was about, and You're you welcome. were sick and not feeling well. So it was just, I can't get over You're it. You're welcome. I can't get over it. I was, I was it up was last night. I was up last night just like, how can I thank Camille? This and and I want to give out a, sh- a shout out to our very important wolf pack, maybe our number one love, which yeah. is Alyssa. Oh, yeah. Alyssa and Josh hosted the most wonderful birthday for me. And yeah. I know Alyssa will listen to this. So and I just want to say I love you and thank you because you yes. made me feel so special. Yeah. It anyway. was a team effort. It was so fun. Lauren barely asks for anything, really. Like, she loves just if, – if you even just give her a handwritten card and are just there to tell her you love her, that's all she ever expects. So to throw something like a fun party and do all the details with, while she could just rest and just kind of show up to the events and they were already planned was – just exactly what I wanted to do. It was so fun for me. It was such a gift. It was kind of my first opportunity to ever plan something. Well, I was saying to Camille, I know who my maid of honor is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I already doing knew that. Every but, fucking detail. But wow. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I had never given you the opportunity yeah. to serve me in such a way. Yeah. I felt so served. I didn't do jack shit. I asked Shane when She's we were She's like, in San what Francisco. about food? I'm like, just stop worrying about anything we're totally fine we have everything covered I mean I literally asked Shane in San Francisco I was like Shane because I figured while I'm in the U.S. I can get some party favors like I didn't know it they didn't say we're we're planning your party it was just already being done and so I was like do I need to maybe like order a cake or get some decorations and he's like I'm gonna start crying that you even feel like you would need to do that like Camille and Shane just had it down already we had it totally figured out it was so sweet yeah it was so fun (laughs) and other than that that was my week I'm so tired um and also that was just such an exciting week for me um the week before that I got my new tattoos that's right yeah no I knew tattoos so I so here they are in the video my meanings I got three new ones I have a sunrise over a wave, which is a beach, which is my happy place. Yes. That is my happy place. I am a water baby. And also, I had a vision of where I wanted to be in this new chapter of my life. And I had this, like, beautiful sunset wave. I've wanted this tattoo for years. And then I finally got it. And I feel like it even has more meaning now. Then I got a little butterfly to represent your cocoon phase. I'm really obsessing over this idea. 
of when we're on this healing journey, just going into a, you go in as one thing, you cocoon, usually you're feeling alone, you're feeling discomfort. And then you all of a sudden emerge as this new being. Mm. I feel like I'm everyone I coach goes through that phase. I just recently went through that phase really heavily over the last year and a half. So I got my little butterfly and I think it looks cute. <laughs> it looks like a stamp. Her butterflies yeah. are the most beautiful really or like her cute. tattoos are so fine line. That I keep feeling like they're just going to come off. Yeah. It looks like little stamps. Yeah. And then I got our sister tattoo finally. Yay. 13, 13, 14, 14. And I want to just talk about how. So now we both have it. I want to talk about how Camille and I. This is a little difference between us. Like I go in to get my tattoos and Shane's obsessed with the traditional style. And so I just go like full blown dagger, like outlaw. I get all these things. And then Camille's like, I'm gonna wait a little while to get mine. And then she goes and gets hers and she's like, I um I'm gonna go with the fine line design. And it's just like so dainty, so cute, and makes me regret everything I've ever done. <laughs> Dainty. They are really small, but I feel like they also. Oh, here's Lauren's lungs. They are just giving out on us. Call the cops. They do represent more of our style. You are more bold, and I am sort of more dainty in the background. Which is uh-huh. basically, if you look at my arm, you can barely see my tattoos. They're so. They're I, what I would consider them is just sweet. Yeah, they are sweet. <laughs> they're up close photos of them on our Patreon again. Um, But I did just want to drop right here the reason that they healed so quickly. Thank God I have Amber Bath in my life. Yes. My, which is also our first official sponsor. Yes. First official sponsor, Amber Bath Bathing Essentials. The Salvation was actually almost named Tat Splat because it is such pure ingredients, four ingredients, no fragrance oil. It is the best thing to heal even if I get little cuts, I use it on there. I use it on my tattoos just yeah. three times a day, put a little fine cream and they are healing. They're completely healed already. Yeah. Healed so it's beautifully. beeswax, cocoa butter, vitamin E, and olive oil. Those yeah. are the four ingredients. So you can use it on your hands, your lips, your heels. Mm-hmm. We can't live without it. And honestly, we do have the softest lips. Yeah. So if you ever have the opportunity to kiss us, you'll understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if you want to be kissed with the softest lips, you can go to amberbath.com use code WOLFPACK at checkout for 20% off and a free little gift from your dad mothers. That's right. And let us know. Post it on your story when you get it so that we can we can shout you out. Yeah, I love that. So let's get into today. We are hearing from Lauren what she has learned in her 20s. And I'm really excited for this. Well, I'm going to try my best. And it doesn't have to be 20 things. I know we tasked with 20 and then it's kind of just like, what did you learn the most, you know, when you're going through, let's talk about just your 20s a little bit. Mm-hmm. The 20s is a really tough time. You're transitioning. It's tough. It's fun. It's exploratory. You are typically leaving high school, leaving college or going into college. If you don't go to college, you're going into your first job. It's really the first time when you're on your own. Of course, different circumstances, unless you left your home a little bit early. But you're exploring in your 20s. You are 
just figuring out kind of what alcohol is. You're maybe in your first relationships. Your 20s just has a lot to it. Yeah. You're kind of becoming an adult. I feel like you're not really a full adult until you're in your 30s. (laughs) Yes. And your 20s too, you're kind of transitioning, at least for me, transitioning from this place of being in college. It's kind of the first time you don't have a community that's your exact same age going through the same things. Right. You're transitioning into jobs where you're like, where do I fit in? How do I make adult friends? What are my relationships like? It's just different. Yeah. Man, I, talking about it, it's so weird because I guess I'll start with my number one was just that this is an impossible task. (laughs) I wrote down with Camille this morning. I'm like, number one, this is an impossible task to write down what I learned in my 20s because it feels like so much. Oh my gosh. Honestly, just from relationships, friendships, my learning to love my body, Mm. learning how to be present, learning how to release shit that's stuck inside of me, learning how to surrender, receive. Like, I genuinely feel like basically from the age of 20 to 27 were these years of like foundational pain, Mm, (laughs) like mm -hmm. a a lot of fun. But for whatever reason, during those years, I formed a lot of like pain in some way. I don't know how else to describe it. Like the relationships that I was in were fun in a lot of ways. And I'm so grateful for them. And also it was painful and I created a lot of like ego. It felt like my ego, my identities, all these things that cause a lot of suffering were really snowballing, like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I even look back, like I really felt like I was so beautiful when I came out of high school. Like genuinely the way that I looked, the way that my heart was, I was so expressive and loved theater and, and, Mm -hmm. um, in my teens yeah and like my face just looked sweet yeah and as my 20s went on I really started to not look like myself still still beautiful on the outside but it was like my inside was getting more and more out of alignment like Mm. out of my truth out of the present moment and really trying to manipulate and manufacture my future Like, Mm. I'm going to do this so that this person thinks this way of me so that this is the outcome that I receive. Mm. A lot of like, I want this, so I'm doing this so I can get that. And I feel like the nucleus of everything that I wrote down here for what I learned in my 20s really comes back to, I wrote it down right here. Um, everything is perfect all the time. So stop trying to control it by being a perfectionist. Mm. It's, and it really is like when I actually wrote down a lot of these things, it came back to be present. Like so many of the things that I wrote were other ways to say, Hey, be here. Yeah. You know, and being here and being present, we hear that all the time in yoga and in different philosophies and in healing journeys and everything. But it's like, you don't realize how fucking hard it is and how much of a practice it is to be present. Mm -hmm. And it, it like interweaves itself in all these different ways. Surrender is being present. Receiving is being present. All of these things are being present. Healing 
is being present, learning how to be in your body and coming back into that is presence. And creativity so, is present. Creativity Courage is present. Present. Courage. Loving is present. It's it present. Is so it is just presence, present. It's presence. And so being present with yourself so that you can understand what your body's asking for in that exact moment. Mm. And when we're present, we know when to reach out for help because mm. we're present and we know we need help. When we're present, it's like, oh, I need to move my body. I feel stagnant. I feel like I haven't expressed when we're present we know what rage feels like because it boils up you're present for it and you scream into a pillow it's like that is what I learned in my 20s was this over and over and over and over beating into me of presence and it came in so many different ways it Mm -hmm. came through psychedelics it came through heartbreak it came through really putting myself out there and being confused and heartbroken and like unsure of myself like especially this last year I had and I haven't really talked about this at all but I want to right now because it was hard mm-hmm. um I had like a major friendship kind of a disaster honestly and I stuck my neck out and it felt like the only thing that I could do in that moment. Like I had this thing on my heart that I had to say, and it felt like there was no other way that I could go about it other than the way that I did. It was all I had access to was like, my heart is exploding. I have to say this thing. And it wasn't an easy thing to say. And that experience rocked me for like eight months. It impacted almost all of my friendships that I had in that yeah in that time and it was like this lesson over and over again of me coming back to myself and saying were you honest for that experience like did you show up in the way that you could and I it was a yes like I didn't have any other way to do it other than how I did in the moment And Mm. I was really confused because it was like, well, I thought kind of like if I'm being honest and I'm being present, then it's going to be easy kind of like Mm. you, you, if I'm doing what I'm being called to do, then you were rewarded, you know, like things are, it's going to be okay. Things are going to be okay. And it didn't feel okay. I felt really confused. I felt really frustrated. I felt really like um, blinded by by myself in certain ways. But it was like that loop finally closed like a week and a half before my birthday for me. Mm. And I just learned once again that it's like even if it doesn't feel like the outcome you wanted or the outcome you were expecting when you're present and you're honest with that and you're honest with yourself and you're able to deliver your truth, even if it feels like it failed, it was still the right thing to do Mm. for you. Yeah. And you can go about it a different way, a different time. You can learn from it, but it's like, I get to say, okay, yeah, that was crazy. And also it felt like that was my truth. 
that was what I had to share in the moment. Yeah. And so is that making sense, sis? It makes a lot of sense. And I think that the way that we can put this for other people to know if like they're going through the same thing is with like a little bit more detail without giving too much detail. There is a line in friendship that's okay. Stay in your own corner and support. And then also wanting the best for people and sharing things that you're seeing from an outsider that you feel like is hard and wrong. And sometimes it feels really hard to say you just have to be secure in knowing that you're speaking your truth in that instance. Mm-hmm. Even if it might not be something that they want to hear. Mm-hmm. Speaking your truth so that you can get it off your chest no matter what the outcome. Maybe later you realize, oh, I kind of overstepped a little bit. I'm going to have to apologize for that now. Yeah. Or if you say, no, I feel really secure on it and I feel like they needed to hear that that is it. And now we can move on. Mm -hmm. It's just being secure in what you're saying and making sure that you're leading not to hurt others, but to be living in your truth. Mm -hmm. Is that making sense? Yeah. It's like, wait. And also knowing that your truth is not the ultimate ultimate truth. truth. Yeah. It is not everybody's truth. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking your truth with no expectation of outcome. Right. That's, that is more of it for me. Because it's interesting, like, there's such a difference between saying, like, I need to speak my truth and I need to speak what's coming out, if that makes sense. Like, I don't even know if I claim what, I said as like my truth, mm. like the mm-hmm. words, tr- my truth feel very misaligned mm. because it's like, I actually don't fucking know sometimes what the truth. my yeah. truth is. It's more just like this thing that I cannot hold in. This thing that I cannot hold in is yeah. basically what it was. And so it's like a lot of my twenties have also been, especially in the last couple of years, really looking at language and these absolutes like truth feels like such an absolute to me my truth you know what I feel like I said and what I feel like I delivered wasn't necessarily my truth it was just something that had to come out yeah and what had to come out was painful and and like strange and I wasn't really in a place to receive any kind of um, response from uh, that. It was just like, this has to come out and that's all I want. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear your truth or your thing that needs to come out. It was like abrasive. And how did that turn out? Um, well, I guess what I would say is exactly how it needed to, but it was, you know, several months later, I decided to have a conversation and just say this for whatever reason needed to come out. That's what I had access to. And now I'm letting it go. And I want you to know that it it actually was none of my business really. And Mm. I could have brought it to you in a different way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's how, that's what happened. And it's like, I, again, I don't regret how it came out and I actually don't even know how this 
started happening right now where I'm talking about this on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I do want to bring it back to just the, an overall lesson. Well, it, no, it's an overall lesson of this, of uh, when I'm talking about presence, I'm talking about presence in the face of not knowing what the fuck is going to happen on the other side. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's, that's what I want to express today is that people want presence and they're like oh yeah I'm okay with being present as long as you can control the outcome of it I'm uh, talking about yes. presence and release presence and surrender like being present and recognizing that this might not go how you have it planned mm. and yet remain present and that's what I learned yeah wow that's a tough it's a really tough lesson Mm -hmm. because that just in the presence of other people's pain other people's honesty the amount that other people can receive or see or the way people see you you know remaining present is no joke no it is a constant effort yeah and that's such a beautiful lesson staying present and no expectation of what things you say. Like, it's just speaking your truth, or not even truth, but just speaking with no expectation for outcome is really fucking difficult. I'm Now all these things are coming to my head about, like, that this is my lesson right now, too. Mm-hmm. It's really... This is just a lesson that's hitting me really hard lately. Yeah, it's... And it's one of those things that's interesting because I really do feel like you need to come to a certain level of self-awareness. Like, I'm speaking about this from exactly where I am now. And I'm okay with if this podcast episode is a little bit confusing because this stuff isn't linear. Like, I haven't written my book on this yet. (laughs) You know, so it's kind of coming out raw. But it's like... There is a certain amount of self-awareness that needs to be attained so that you're not going around being a wrecking ball and calling it presence. Thank you. Like part of the lesson that I've learned is that there is attachments can come up when you are being honest, calling it presence and sort of destroying things Mm. like I see this in you so I'm speaking truth in this way I see this in you so I'm speaking truth in this way you're choosing this over that there's a prescriptive nature that can come with it and so Mm. it's like being present but also questioning yourself and saying am I being am I remaining soft is my heart remaining open because that happened to me too in that friendship experience where I was like this is what needs to be said. And then that became this crutch. It was like a pedestal. Once I was kind of seeing like, oh, actually there were other ways to see this. I I did kind of have a wrecking ball attitude in certain ways. Mm. And so that was a lesson too, because that interfered in other friendships. Mm. So it was like constantly being open to evolving 
too. Mm -hmm. Because when you are present and you start to think you're getting a hold of something, it's like, oh, I'm really getting this. Okay, I'm being present. I'm speaking what I think my truth is. And then all of a sudden you kind of are like, whoops, there I am. I'm totally in ego again. And I'm thinking that I know the ultimate truth and I need to back up from that. Mm. So it's this process of remaining open, remaining soft, and saying what feels from your body what needs to be said. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I I wish that I could be more um, articulate in that right now, but it feels like this, for whatever reason, is coming up. I feel like, can I add something in that I think really help you in becoming that way? And still, like, it's not like, oh, now I'm perfectly present. That's what she's, a huge thing that you're trying to say, I think, is, is like, you're learning these processes of becoming present and also still realizing when ego and pride and um expectation and all of these things are getting in the way it's like this unraveling of experience past stuff and then staying present Mm -hmm. so what I'm what I wanted to come back to in this is that you transitioning into this state where you're more easily able to recognize it also comes from healing from the past. Mm, mm-hmm. There's no skipping over what has happened to you in your life, earlier in your life. It's really hard to become present and to recognize these patterns within yourself without healing from your past, mm, mm-hmm. which has been a lot of what your late 20s specifically has been too. Yeah. Doing the womb work, doing shamanic ceremonies, doing these things to figure out how did these traits become so rigid in me and where are these spaces that I can become softer mm. and now how how can I recognize presence better in that state? Mm. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I do. And for me, I just feel like it was so nonlinear that all of it kind of just happens at once. Yeah. You know, like, and that's just what it's been for me, I didn't go into it. And it also just has a lot to do with my character, you know, like who I was from the womb is kind of more just chaotic. Yeah. It's kind of more just like, whoa, okay, I guess I'm doing some healing stuff now. Like I was introduced to my ego on three grams of mushrooms, giving birth to myself in my bathroom by myself. You know, (laughs) like I, that kind of shit just sort of started happening for me. And I don't know if it's karmic or luck or whatever, but I've just, it feels like I've had the right people around me at exactly the right time so that I could ground and learn and try my best. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll hear people say like, how do I begin a healing journey? And sometimes mm. I feel so lost with how to answer that question me because too. it's sort of like you're living, if you're alive, you're on a healing journey is how it feels for me. It's like you can just start by recognizing these little patterns, looking at your family stuff. But I guess to answer your question, for me, it wasn't like I said, okay, I'm going to heal from my past and then address my ego and then, you know, look at presence. It was sort of like, no, it's a jumble. Yeah. It's like life. I, I think about it as 
this big thing where everything's kind of happening and there are serendipities that pop in, but it's just, there's no rule book. And like you keep saying, and I say too, it's not linear. It, it, Looking back at it, I can see what was happening in right. your late 20s now. But during the time, it wasn't like, now I'm healing trauma. Now I'm healing from being with a narcissist. Right. Now I, you know, it was just like, I'm feeling crazy. Like it was just all this kind of chaotic and then these moments of presence and then these moments of joy and then sadness and grief and all this stuff. And then you are hitting 30 and it's like, how the hell do we even wrap that up other than to just say, holy shit, I feel finally for the first time in my life, like I can feel presence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not rushing into anything. You're not rushing out of anything. It just, this jumble of events happened and here you are entering this new decade yeah. in a present form, just, mm -hmm. just as you are. <laughs> yeah, where, where presence is, a, lo a lot of times when I'm working with clients, I talk about how when you begin doing this work or you start realizing what it feels like to be alive, your baseline existence just becomes something different than what it was. Mm -hmm. It's really the only way I know how to fully describe it is like, okay, all of a sudden, everything kind of exists on a different plane. It's like things start to open up. And then even if you're sick or going through a tough time in your relationship or, you know, having friendship struggles or whatever, your baseline, the thing that lies underneath all of that is just unwavering and better than it ever was before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I you're say just, the same thing to my clients. Yeah. And it's like, so getting there is, it just kind of happens. And I guess what I wanted to, to express is when you're committed to presence, what happens is that when you're not present, you just notice it faster. You can notice where the discomfort or the suffering is faster and so now it feels like I came into 30 with this understanding of, I just know, like when I'm present, I'm not having thoughts. That, so I guess that's important to say. When I'm present, I'm just in this moment, not having thoughts. Like right now, I'm having a conversation with my sister, recording for my podcast, for our podcast, and my mind isn't going what about this? You have this to do later. Yeah. Remember that? Hey, you sound stupid. You're rambling. Like that's not happening. I'm yes. just able to be here with it. Yeah. I'm just here for it. There are other times when I have downtime, a lot of times when I'm brushing my teeth or taking a shower where I have to practice being present more. Cause for whatever yes. reason during those times, my mind likes to wander and unconsciously think about things. Yeah. So yeah. And I would like to say, um, just add this in here that, and I kind of said the same thing a little bit ago, but I think that it's important to mention again, that state is harder to find if there's so much, if there are a lot of things in the background that you haven't decided 
to address. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we call it anxiety. We call it depression. We call it panic. We call it being scrambled. And really what it is, is unhealed stress and trauma in the body. So, and I know from a body who has been traumatized and also identified with having anxiety a lot, that working into that present state, it takes effort in really coming face to face with your deep shit. Like really feeling it, acknowledging it looking at it, sitting with it, sitting in the discomfort, like not grasping at, oh, well, I can just keep myself distracted and have all these thoughts. And, you know, it's okay to feel anxious. And if you actually want to have that true presence and discovery and sort of watch yourself step into this moment of now, you just have to address that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. In my opinion, because I felt what it felt like to have that going on and then seeing it fade. Mm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I think you were trying to touch on this earlier and I kind of bulldozed it. But yeah, I mean, that's something that I learned in my 20s too, is that I thought that I was, I like always identified as just being a really happy and optimistic person and just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm happy like what is there not to be happy about I've lived such a privileged life my parents paid for my college I got a master's degree like I'm beautiful like you know I'm healthy what is there to come on are you kidding like I I can just be happy and of course I didn't realize like okay well with all of that you've had so much pain in your life you have to face that like you can't just be like oh it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine If you want to truly be present, yeah, you have to sit with the pain that you've endured as well. And so facing yourself takes a shitload of courage. I I just always nod at everybody who wants to begin healing or who is like, I'm afraid or, oh, I don't want to do a psychedelic because I'm afraid of my own mind. I'm afraid of what could be in there. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, call me when you can have some courage because it takes courage. It It really does. It isn't just like, okay, um, I'm ready to heal. Let's do it. And you're like skipping into the distance. It's like hard. You're going to fall down and eat shit and bust your teeth. Like it fucking hurts. It hurts. I, my metaphor for it, yours seems to be the butterfly right now. Mine is the butterfly. Mine is birth. I'm obsessed with birth. And... I just can't imagine a better metaphor for healing than birth. I can't. There's, yeah. There is no, in my opinion, better metaphor. Maybe the butterfly actually is pretty damn good too. But I just don't know what they're going through when they're in the cocoon, whereas I can know what a woman is going through, yeah. you know? But I just imagine birth is, first of all, the life force and sex and, like, all of those things in one. Yeah. And second of all is it's, like, there is so much – pain and discomfort and like disgusting shit that happens during pregnancy and during birth and when somebody is in labor you're going through this really hard thing like even if it's a cesarean section like your middle is getting basically cut in half and a baby's being pulled out of your womb 
Yeah. Like there's nothing more disgusting than that. Yeah. And amazing. Right. And incredible. And, incredible. and it takes so much courage. Like there, it's no easy feat to grow a human being. Like you're growing a heart and a liver and organs. Like if you actually think about it, it's sickening <clears throat> what actually happens. And, and alien. The, and alien. <laughs> it's like uncomfortable. And then not to mention, like that's the whole pregnancy. And then you're going through labor, which is this act of just distress. Like it, you're pushing out a kid through a tiny, tiny hole and it's painful and it hurts and you scream and you groan and you moan and you push out this slippery thing. And then a whole placenta falls out of you. Like there's nothing that could be more disgusting, fascinating, and incredible than childbirth. And you just do it. That's what yes. healing is to me. I imagine it's that. It's these like disgusting realizations about ourselves, and then finding, oh my God, I actually love this part of myself. I'm so resilient. I have courage and I'm going to fucking do this. I'm pushing this baby out. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And boom, there you go. You've gone through a little rebirth. And then you just, it just is. It just is. You don't even, I mean, it's a lot of effort on the woman's body. I know this. I just, I said this the other day and someone's like, well, it is a lot of effort. And I'm like, yes, it is effort. And also women have been doing that from the beginning of time without knowing, like what, even when science wasn't around, right. They were still having babies. Like when they were gathering their food, still doing yes. the baby thing. Like, yes. you know, we have more knowledge about it now, but our bodies just do it. Yeah. That's what they do. It just is what it is. We're not, there's nothing technical about it. There's nothing that we have to force. You just do it. You have the most pain, you shove it out, and then you're feeling the most joy you've ever known. Yeah, it's, it is it's wild. just such a process. And yeah, it's such a process. And that's just a beautiful process, exactly how it's supposed to be. And it's not even just in humans, right? Like when you yes. imagine mammals or even amphibians or egg layers, you know, poultry, I don't freaking know. It, there's this process of discomfort, pain, and on the other side of it, like, oh, wow. Oh my God, I did that. And to me, that's what my 20s was like it really was just like this cyclical and my friends will laugh if they're listening to this. Cause I've literally, when I talk about birth, I'm so obsessed with it. I got my doula certification when I, on my 21st birthday, I got my doula certification the day before. Um, I still have never been to a live birth, but I really want to. I can't believe that actually. Yeah, me either. Um, and then also when I'm talking about birth, I mean that during these psychedelic experiences that I've had or accidentally, I will end up in birth pose, like really feeling like I'm pushing something out of my vagina. My vagina gets so wet, like it's birthing and I'll have cramps like, oh my God, like it actually feels like I'm giving birth. I'm sure anybody who's actually given birth will be like, yeah, right. It doesn't feel like that, but it feels like there's activity in my uterus that's coming out of my vagina. And so, yes, of course, of course. And this is my experience. It doesn't have to be yours, but, but I'm just saying that it actually is like these processes of birth. Yeah. 
have been very representative for me. And I offer that to clients too. Like think about this as something greater than yourself. When you're going through healing, God, we're already at 52 minutes and I have so much more I want to say. That's okay. Can we just keep going a little bit? Um, that, that thinking about things as something greater than yourself too. Like yeah. there have been so many people who have faced their pain before you. You're not alone. You can do this. You know, like you're not behind. You're not ahead. You're just going through this and you're going to do this and it will feel amazing when you're on the other side and then it will be hard again and then it will feel great again and then it will be hard and then it will be great. But your baseline existence will rise. Yeah. So, um, more joy. You just feel everything deeper. deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What Let else do you have for us, Kim? Let me see Keep what dropping else I've knowledge got. bombs. This is wonderful. Let me see what else I've got. <laughs> People are probably like, how am I supposed to translate this into what I'm doing in my 20s? Well, and for that, what I would like to say to that is just listen to this. Don't try to apply mm. what I've done to you. If you're not even here at all and you're in your 40s, good. It's perfect. That's on my list. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. What what I'm saying might be hitting your ears and just bouncing right out, but that's okay. It's perfect. You don't have to align with what I'm saying. It's like See how much you can notice the perfection in everything. And that's on my list as well is like trying to control things and making sure that everything you have in your life is planned and it's going to be this outcome and this thing and this X, Y, Z is a very exhausting task Mm -hmm. and it does not benefit you. You might think it does if everything at the end of the day is checked off your list perfectly, but that doesn't lead to being joyful. It doesn't lead to being happy. It's like that can be a temporary like, okay, cool. Everything on my list is checked off. But until you can kind of rip that paper in half and just be like, it's going to be okay. Everything that needs to get done is going to get done. I have to use this in just an example for because I saw you do this and then I've seen so many other people do this and when you're talking about life and these like thinking about things as lists you know Mm -hmm. I told Lauren today it makes me so happy to see her just in life Mm. like just enjoying the moment because I always felt like she was rushing towards something like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be 30 soon I want to graduate early I want to graduate early from college I'm gonna get my master's so fast I'm gonna go do try it felt like a constant rush and then she was talking about she realized that at the end of this year she had everything that she wanted and it wasn't what made her heart filled Mm. and I've seen people do this so much in relationships Mm -hmm. just be like well he's everything I want and it's like but are you happy right but are you happy you know like I feel like that's where I was when I was in my engineering job it's like This can apply to so many different things. I have my dream job. I'm getting paid my dream salary. I'm living in a great place. I'm 
And this is where so many people end up in their 20s and 30s and 40s. It's like, well, I have everything I want, but my heart hurts. Mm -hmm. But I feel so, I feel more lost than ever. Mm -hmm. And it's because we're not checking in to see like, are these lists making us happy or are they just expectations we have that we think are going to bring us fulfillment and joy? Mm -hmm. And ultimately in that, what happens is the actual emotion and living in the moment is disappearing. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fading away from us as we're checking these things off our list. It's well, uh, everything externally feels good. It it looks good. It, It, I have the money. I have, he's this, he's that, he's this. But what, what are you feeling in your internal world? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. but how, how is it feeling deep in your gut when you're sitting with them in presence, when you're sitting in your job every day, are you actually happy Mm -hmm. and not even happy, happy, something that happens to us, but are you, are you feeling, are you feeling your life? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I want to add to it. What I was saying earlier and what you touch on there is like, when we decide we want something from a place of like, okay, it's this concept is very difficult for me to talk about because it's kind of a both and. Okay. It's kind of like talking about manifestation. I kind of shit on manifestation sometimes because I... I feel like this idea of knowing what we want and then pursuing what we want is actually a direct express train to suffering. Instead, focusing on how would I like to feel? (laughs) Mm -hmm. How would I like to feel? And coming into, do I feel that way now? Like, Mm. if I'm present with myself, do I feel that way now? Mm. Because deciding what I wanted and then pursuing that is not a present way to live. It is not present because it doesn't give you the opportunity to move out of your own way. Mm. When you want something and you write down a whole entire list of how to get there, you have a higher likelihood of getting to that thing that you want. But is that going to satiate you Mm. if you get to what you want? I know a lot of people who manifest exactly what they want. Are they happy? I don't fucking know. I don't know. And so I'm wondering if we instead focus on how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. Like if I had adopted that earlier, I would have really saved myself a lot of pain because I would have said, that's how I want to feel. Do I feel that way now? It's undeniable whether or not I do or not. Yeah. It's like if I say, and, and you know, even giving yourself the opportunity, I've adopted just saying, I don't know. I don't know, but I trust that if I'm in my body and I trust that I'm prioritizing my feelings of safety and joy and presence, that I will end up in life receiving 
everything that my heart could have possibly desired. Mm. Like if I say I want to be a mother and for whatever reason, I'm unable to become pregnant. Mm. Right. Mm. Or I, I struggle with infertility and my whole goal is to be a mother. I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. I am going to have so much suffering Mm. other than to say, I'd love to feel maternal. Mm. I'd love to enjoy the experience of motherhood Yeah, and allowing myself for, if that isn't for me, how can I be present with that? You know, I think about it even in these really intense ways where it's like, if, if what I want is to feel love in partnership and I want to feel safe and soft and to explore my sexuality and I, those things feel very different for me than I want a man who makes this amount of money, mm. who has this kind of a career that looks like this, mm. right? Trusting, totally. trusting that if I say that I want to feel this way and I want to have intellectual conversations and I want to feel stimulated that exactly the person who's going to fulfill that feeling will arrive yeah it's like trusting that and so Mm, coming into our bodies again and again and again and again and again and even going back to that experience that I had with that friendship stuff I thought that the second I spoke what I needed to say I thought the second I did that, I was going to feel all this relief. I just want to feel relieved. Mm. And I thought, okay, I'm centering this in feeling. I just want to feel relieved. Well, it took me eight months to feel relieved. Mm. Eight months. Because I kept saying, I want to feel relieved. I kept not feeling relieved. And so it was like, okay, I'm remedying this in the ways that I can. I'm sitting with it. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm having these really confusing conversations. I'm bulldozing this, not showing up to that. Like there was so much happening. Mm. And finally I felt relieved and I'm like, holy shit, that's what I've been wanting the whole time. I just didn't know what it was going to take for me to get there. Yeah. And so such a good point. And so that can I give, I want to give everyone. So I actually do this with almost all of my clients in some type of scenario, whether they're saying I'm searching for my purpose, I'm, you know, unhappy in my relationship. I don't know where I want to live. I always just have them journaling about how they want to feel when they're surrounded by that person or in that job. And then following that feeling is going to lead you in the right direction now that you have it. And, and even if you're in a relationship, how do I want to feel? And then you have it on paper and you're like, wow, I, this would make me feel good. I know it. Mm -hmm. I know it. And then going out into the real world and thinking, well, when I'm with my partner now, I'm not feeling any of those things that I wanted to before. It's much easier to understand it in in my perspective I'm sort of more analytical and also still trying to form into more feeling so I know that sometimes for me just sitting with it and thinking okay what do I want to feel in my body I want to feel laughter in this you know but even when I'm in my hard times I want to feel held safe secure those things on 
in front of you, when you're able to actually see that you know how you want to feel, it's just we we nary write about that. Mm. We usually write our pro and con list of material or outside things. Mm-hmm. So if you're going through a situation like this where you're not knowing what you want, just stop thinking about what you want and try spending some time writing how you want to feel. Yeah, and coming into the body for those answers. Yes. Saying like, this is where language, it's so interesting because I'm always, I love language. You know that. I love language so much. I have my master's in it, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like letting the body tell us and creating language around that because saying, even even saying, and I know I said it too, but how do you want to feel? It's like, what if instead we ask our bodies as the central place of intelligence what would feel good to you, to the body, right? Like, would it feel good to feel more calm? Would it feel good mm-hmm. for more laughter? Would it feel good to feel erotically expressed and mm-hmm. to be, you know, having delicious orgasms? Like, what would feel good to my body? And that leads me to another one of my points is like creating a relationship with your mind and your body as things that are kind of outside of the self mm-hmm. and also that are the ally and um, immovable from the self mm-hmm. at the same time. It's like my body is me and my body also isn't me, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. So to it's me, like, okay, I can explain it even more. It's like without my body... I don't exist. My experiences don't happen. I have to have a body in order for my consciousness to be what it is. And at the same time, I know that I'm not just my body. I'm also this consciousness that feels like it's universal and bigger than just me and this body. Yes. And so... What I'm getting to with that is that creating a relationship with my body and creating a relationship with my mind, Mm. almost as if they are these solitary things, like they're Mm. my friends, Yes, has been so important to me. And it's something that I'm so excited to carry with me all the way until I die. Mm. But it's like self-love is such a part of that like really loving yourself and it's so much more than that too it's really like communicating even when I was getting really sick right before my birthday and I'm like fuck 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 I really don't want to be getting sick right now come on like my birthday's coming up I had really a beautiful experience where I just said to my body like a conversation with it like all right I can feel that you're wanting to get sick right now. What do you need from me? Like, what can I give to you? Mm -hmm. What can I, how can I help you? Is there anything I can do? And it's just like talking to my body and talking to my mind as if it's my very best friend that's attached to me for my whole life. Yeah. There's just a curiosity Mm -hmm. within, you know, stop. We have to sort of, 
take a step back when we're thinking, oh, why is this happening to me? Like, I'm so pissed about this. I'm feeling, why can't my mind calm down? You know, like, I feel like we're always in constant battle between the mind, the body. Oh, I just don't like what I look like, you know, just, and just having this curiosity and compassion for those two things that are just pieces of what we are in this earth life. Mm -hmm. And we just have to stop battling and becoming more curious about what they're teaching us. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this thickness? What, what are you teaching me? What, what, what are you needing right now? Mm -hmm. You know, Oh, you're needing rest. Okay. Instead of just pushing through it. And I mean, becoming friends with the mind has been just my favorite thing over the past year or two. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've stopped becoming, I'm not battling my mind anymore. I'm just recognizing that it needs a place to speak to. And I was shutting it down for so long. And now, you know, just sitting with it and taking time and energy and having compassion for it when it needs certain things, just it completely changes how present you can feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is. It's that, in the words of Byron Katie, it's loving what is. Like, loving what is. How can we love what is? How can we come into perfection in every moment? Not in what you think is perfection, but just in what is. And that's also on my list, is the concept of right and wrong. I... And I love talking about this right now, and I'm Mm -hmm. sure I'll have new language for it soon. But it's just this paralysis that I see in a lot of my clients. And of course, it was in me as well and still is, especially even when I was going through the friendship thing, was like, did I do the right thing? Was I wrong in what I thought? What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? And it's allowing for there to not be a right or wrong but for it to just be what is. Yeah. What is, what happened, and then being with that. Instead of this obsession with, and this is a lot of the ego, right? It's like we want to be accepted, so we want to do the right thing. And Mm. if we do the wrong thing, we uh, shame ourselves ourselves. and, yeah, yeah, are angry and all of that. But it's like, can, if, what would it look like to let go of that? Because, that's something that I've really tried to do in the past year or so is like letting go with this obsession of there's a right way to do life and a wrong way to do life. And instead just being like, I'm doing life and I'm going to try my very fucking best to just be here for what it is and try to do as little harm as possible. And if I mess up and do some harm, I'm going to apologize when I notice that I've done the harm and move on and try my best. You know, it's like, yeah, I feel like we're really obsessed with right and wrong. And some of us do some fucked up shit and we can always notice that we've done fucked up shit, feel the gravity and the pain of that, of losing a lover that we love so much, of really hurting our kids, of hurting our parents, of hurting like horribly ourselves, you know, like there's this process of facing the reality of what we've done instead of drinking ourselves to death like Mm -hmm. that's important too yeah and so when and that 
all comes back to, you guessed it, my number one thing, presence. When we're present, it also means facing an enormous amount of pain for some people. Imagine being present, deciding to do presence in your 60s when you've lived a whole life of reckless abandon, Mm -hmm. no self-awareness, and now you have adult kids who don't speak to you anymore and you don't get to see your grandkids because you've been a fucking asshole. Yeah. You too can come into presence and feel that shit and change yeah. change your life. That and yeah. that without expectation of those people talking to you again. It's for you. Like this life, okay, I'll finish with this today. I have so much more to say, but I'll finish with this. I know, but I love it. This life ultimately is for you. It's for you. It's not for what that person over there is going to think about you. It's not what your boyfriend is going to say about that thing that you did in your past. It's about you. How do you feel about you when you lay your head down on the pillow? Mm. It's about you. And that's how we change the world is by coming into presence with our own experience and living from that place. Yeah. It's about you. Yeah. And my whole 20s, I guess, concluded with that. How can you be present with you? Because we have all of these external forces saying, what measuring us by what we're able to show externally. This is my job. This is my relationship. This is my house. This, these are my clothes. This is what I do for fun, X, Y, Z. But it's like, Coming back home to you is the is the only place that I want to be. And so coming back there, being honest and open with myself and seeing how soft my heart can be toward the world while still expressing myself with energy and vivaciousness and trust and loyalty and love is what I learned in my 20s. Mic drop. Mic throw, because we can't really drop Mike these. Throw. That is such a beautiful way to conclude. I think that's perfect. That's just exactly what it needed to be. Can I say one little thing about that? Sure. Because I just want to make sure that people know that it being about you mm. is also increasing this level of compassion and empathy you have for the collective. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Coming back into you doesn't mean, oh, well, the world is, it's about me. So I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna do what I want because this is about me. Coming back into you is experiencing compassion empathy, love for those also around you and recognizing that it's a collective experience. It's all circulating around you. And I've had this conversation recently, like not to be morbid, but if you weren't here, that's it. Mm -hmm. Everything is still happening around you. I'm still here. That thing is still here everything is still here without you your Mm -hmm. experience ends with you starts and ends with you Mm -hmm. but that also means the kindness to others and the kind and and I don't even know how to put it is this making sense okay I love it and I want to roll with it I I know exactly what you're talking about please help help me 
So what can happen is that when we start to focus on our own experience and we realize, oh my God, this is about my healing and this is about me and I'm going to prioritize myself for the first time in my life. That can sometimes be what this is. Yes. Then we start to see other people and we're like, oh no, you're not focusing on you. So I'm going to tell you how to focus on you. Mm. I'm going to tell you how you can heal your wounds. Yes. And you start to preach it before you're embodying it embodiment of these lessons means that you have an enormous amount of compassion for yourself. And for me, it meant that I realized God within me, which means that when I look at somebody else's eyes, I see God in them. I am the collective. I am the drop of water and the whole ocean, which means that when I am that little drop and I'm like, whoa, yeah, holy shit, man, I'm a raindrop, I'm a raindrop. And I plunge into that ocean my experience is 100% mine and it's 100% the collectives, which means that I am both the abuser and the abused. I am both the joy and the pain, which means that you're that in other people as well. Mm. So when you have that compassion for yourself and that deep love and that rage, you have to see the compassion for others, the rage for others. You can share in that And you can also recognize that they're on their own journey. Yes. They're on their own journey. And we have to give people the space to grow, whether it's in this life or the next. You can choose who you spend your time with or who you don't, but you cannot choose when other people decide to do their own thing. Yeah. You can't. And when you realize it's circulating around you, you are the drop in the ocean. You also have to realize that you are not superior. Right. Yeah, that's the kicker. That is the kicker, is that you are not the only one that matters. Mm -hmm. And you're you're not better than anybody else. Because that's the thing, too, is that when you start healing, you do feel like you have one up on the universe. It's like, whoa, I'm noticing all of these things that nobody around me notices, especially if you're in a friend group or a family that has never done any kind of work on this stuff and you'll just be like oh my god my ego's gigantic or whoa my ego's affecting me in this way and so is yours whoa and you start to really notice like wow all these sheeple are sleeping and what the fuck (laughs) but you have to this is where it's so important to remember that they are you you are them we're all in this collective thing together it's just that they're having a different experience right now and you need to find compassion for that Because if you don't, then you're the morality police and you're going to be really exhausted and whoops, you're external again. So it's coming back, coming back, coming back. And this is a practice for your whole life. It'll wane and you'll feel really great. And then it will come back up again. And all of a sudden, oh no. Superiority complex can really kick in in these sneaky ways. The ego loves to cling on in any way it can find. So you feel like you're progressing really well and then all of a sudden it sneaks out and grabs hold of something and you're like, shit. Yes, especially, let's say that what happens, this kind of happened for me a little bit, is that I felt a little bit pedestalized in Mm -hmm. certain situations. Like I noticed some gifts that I have and I was like, whoa, I am fucking cool. Like (laughs) I'm really powerful 
I'm a badass bitch. I have this coaching business. Mm -hmm. I was on Netflix. I'm rocking this thing. Like I've, I'm so awesome and I love myself so much. And other people were like, yeah, you're so cool. We love you so much. You're so powerful. You're so this, you're so that. And all of a sudden I started to feel not just self loving, but also like self worshiping in a way. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm doing it again. Here I was, I crumbled up my ego and now it's risen stronger than ever. And I have to get rid of that shit. And I I actually wrote that down on my list today is like, just as fast as we cling on to identities, we have to let go of them. Mm. And this is where I imagine like a mandala practice, you know? Yeah. And a lot of these cultures will create the most beautiful mandalas, like the most exquisite. Imagine just look them up, a temple Mm -hmm. thing that you're building for days and days and days and days and days. And then at the end, you look at it and you just destroy it. Mm -hmm. And that's, the practice too is like all of these things you don't have to learn all of this at once but it's like it kind of comes with being open as you can notice when something did feel good for a while like you're on this this high of like whoa I'm so cool I can tap into shamanic work and like you know wow this is crazy shit and then all of a sudden it's like hang on hang on yes I felt like a goddess and also I am a human being and I'm not yeah this, I'm like, still God wiping my ascending. butt crack the same way as you are. <laughs> I'm still wiping my butt 52 times, yeah. like, and getting in the shower after. Yeah. You know, like, I, we have to come home. And yeah. coming home again and again is that presence thing. It comes back to that. Yeah. So these practices and everything that we've talked about today, this rate, this is, like, a collection of five years and really ten years. I've been doing work with – meditation and mindfulness I've been saying those words for over 10 years yeah and it's just transformed over time transformed over time and I didn't even talk about sex or sexuality today because all of that comes back into presence yeah coming into the body prioritizing how your body feels and what your body needs is it calling for more pleasure all of that Mm -hmm. so Mm mm-hmm Man, there are so many ways that I could have gone with this today, and I hope it was okay. I think this was – I mean, I'm really grateful. Okay. And I think that it was a collection of thoughts and also so many important things that I feel like we talk about 24-7. Yeah. I just – I. No, I, I want to touch on one more thing. Okay. <laughs> I want to touch on, because it it's what we were just talking about as well, and that is suffering in the face of identity. So much of our world, especially in the West, is around like finding out who you are and sticking with that and branding that. Yeah. You know, like I am a manifesting generator. I am, I am a, a Pisces. Pisces. I am a black I am a healer. Woman. I am a LGBT like I am I am non-binary and and I I want I'm saying all these examples not by shitting on them. I understand the importance of claiming what feels good and using language to express yourself. Mm-hmm. I understand how language has the power to shape reality. I 
fucking believe that to my core. I understand narrative and language and how that progresses and is part of evolution is creating these different ways to describe our experience. I get that. With that, I want to note that claiming and holding on so tight to anything is a direct road to suffering because when we hold on to identities and we don't allow our, we can say that it's contributing to language and evolution and that's fine. But if we hold on so tight to something that we don't allow ourselves to evolve, then we're going against the present moment. And when we resist the present and when we resist mobility and evolution within ourselves, we're suffering again. Mm. And so anytime that we try to box our experiences, even saying, I'm a healer, I'm a coach, I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm a podcaster, I'm all of these things trying to explain what we are in a branding package, it limits the expression of the soul. Mm. It limits it. It does. And that mm-hmm. feels like suffering. It feels like suffering for a spirit that is ultimately free. And so claiming onto these identities, trying to find out what you are, find out your niche, find out more about you Mm. and the details of your past and going to this reader and that reader and all of that, trying to find a healer for your particular thing. It's like even being diagnosed with things, things. It's like, good. Okay. I hope that brings you some relief in the moment and that you can dive into that and learn about it and maybe ultimately let it go. Because whenever we're holding on to things so tight, like I am a you know a victim, or even I am a survivor, mm-hmm. like those things can feel really powerful in the moment. But can you come back to just I am, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that relinquishing and that letting go and that surrendering of anything other than just being is awakening that's really every vessel's purpose here that's it yeah and yeah yeah, that felt really important to say because it's like during this time you know of the past couple of years so much of it was just finding out who you are and when you feel like you're finding out who you are you're claiming these new things changing your instagram bio you know I'm a healer and a coach and a writer and I have these shamanic, maybe I'm a medicine woman, maybe I'm shamanic, maybe I, you know, I'm a non a person, a non-monogamy, monogamy, like all of these things. And ultimately I've just been learning, like the more I just say, I don't fucking know. I don't know who the fuck. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to keep talking about this yeah. and hope that it, you know, cause it is interesting in business. It's like, okay, well, what do you do? It's like, listen to what I say and just, uh, if you align with it, maybe we can work together. Like, that's really yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah. It's just like, I can help you with these things. And I, <laughs> if you like it, come yeah. talk. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think that that is such a beautiful way to end. Can you come back to, you recognize all these things. We're healing the trauma. We're mending the relation we're doing all this we're switching the job we're doing all this and then also can you just come back to i am mm-hmm. 
I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that we had this conversation today because I don't, we can cut this out if it doesn't feel good, but this feels good for me to say is that these kind of conversations, like I want to exclaim something now that I haven't, I, I plan to write about, but it's like, I am not an entrepreneur. I am having an experience and I like talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so one of the things that's interesting, whoops, one of the things that's interesting about putting things out onto the internet or talking about them is it's like, there are some rules that you kind of follow 10 ways to do this, five ways to heal, four ways to do that. And I actually enjoy having more of these kind of talks where it is a little bit all over. Yeah. But I just hope that our audience and our amazing wolf pack is kind of okay with more of this style because I actually think that this is really beneficial. It's like so do really I. beneficial for us to just come on here and talk about Cammy. This is how Cammy and I talk. Yeah. You know, like when we're not we're, saying like, these are the three ways I've healed. Yeah. I mean, and that's fine too. It's fine. But what that does is it gives you as the listener more to do. And mm -hmm. what I, I guess my message is really becoming like, how can I encourage you to be more to just be and some of that means just having these conversations and expressing the things that we've been through without so much um structure mm -hmm. and that's okay for me this is where I thrive and so yeah. there's no um coincidence that this is our longest episode ever it's kind of because we're able to flow yeah and I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening and also I hope that you liked this today. Yeah. And if you didn't, that's okay too. Let us know. Yeah, I, I really agree. And it's easy these days to kind of conform into the, you know, when I do some of this stuff on TikTok too, where it's like, here are three ways to start healing the vagal nerve, you know, or just yeah. certain things to give. Because honestly, that's what people gravitate towards in this current setting is searching how to do this, how mm -hmm. to do this. Um, and also it's nice to just hear people talking about what is <laughs> like, there's no method for healing. There's no method to do your twenties. This just w is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine if somebody tried to be like, okay, I'm 19, I'm turning 20. I'm going to follow what Lauren said. Like you would be so lost. So lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, I really appreciate this conversation and it's so fun hearing you I mean, I hear you talk about it because this is the stuff we talk about. But I think that this is going to be really appreciated. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. We love you, Wolfpack. We love you, Wolfpack. I love you, Camille. I love you, Lauren. <laughs> and, um, yeah, join us on Patreon to hear more about our, my 30th birthday and to watch our Q&As where we – do a lot of this. We talk a we lot do. about these kind of concepts because yeah. we'll start answering a question and then just get excited and we're like wearing our pajamas and I'm usually in bed. Yeah, our Q&As <laughs> are usually a ramble and it's so much fun. We love it. <coughs> <laughs> wish and me we'll health. And we'll end with a cough. Yeah. <laughs> wish me health and wish me love. But 
We'll talk to you soon. We love you. Happy 30th episode and happy 30th birthday to me. Yeehaw! Woo-hoo! Happy birthday. Ow, ow.